fighting, hatred, fear. Had enough of the noise? Energetic Health Radio, and thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Henry Ely, and it is such a privilege and an honor to be here with you today. As you know, we start every show talking about what we are grateful for, right? Get that good energy starting. Well, I got a story for you. You might save it to the close, but I got a story for you about driving around this beautiful country that we have. Oh my goodness, I just finished a 2,700 mile drive around this country and things couldn't be more contrasting. Leaving Portland, which is uh, really a hotbed for masking and and sadly uh, expression, visible expressions of ignorance. All right. Um, And getting down to Los Angeles, where people are incredibly me, 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 get out of my way, you know, and you can tell by the way people drive, you know, what's kind of going on with them. But I had some great conversations in LA that I'm going to talk to you about. Went out to Phoenix and it was so refreshing going to a place where no one was wearing a mask, no one was falling for the BS and people were just moving on with their lives. It was no big deal. It was, it was, so refreshing uh, to be out there. And then to take one of the best drives I've ever taken in my life. And I'll tell you about this a little bit later, but it was long the 89A going northbound. I got to go through uh, just one of the most precious places in our country. It's referred to as the Grand Staircase. And it's Grand Canyon, Bryce Canyon, and Zion uh, National Park. And just getting to see all three of those wonderful tapestries, you know, the Grand Canyon and the painted rocks and just just the beauty and grandeur, the awe-inspiring. It looks like you're looking at a painting, you know, um, but a painting you can touch and you can feel. Uh, And then Bryce Canyon with the hoodoos and these weird rock formations that make it look like you're on an alien planet. Then going into Zion and the Narrows and being a walk in the water for miles, you know, as other people are doing it. It's just this, it's just a gorgeous experience. And it takes us back immediately, I think, takes us back immediately into what really matters, that there's all these things happening outside of these computer screens and off of these radio shows and off of Telegram channel and social media and and the mainstream media and all this other stuff, that all this wonder is out there for us to experience whenever we want. So if you haven't already gotten out this summer, folks, get out. Get out into nature somewhere. Like John Muir would say, get out into nature and let the experience of it wash your spirit clean. We need to get a little cleaning going on, if you will, a little cleansing of our spirit 
because we've just been inundated for years with the same nonsense, a topic that we're all tired of and none of us want to talk about anymore, right? Well, something happened before I left for this trip. I was having dinner with my son. We uh, leave in this great um, Mexican restaurant up here in Portland. That's one thing. There are some places of food. And let me let me not... Let me not give you, let me not misrepresent. There are so many good people in Portland. There are so many people who really care. And there are so many people just on the outskirts of Portland and, and all throughout this great state of Oregon that really care and really get it. And by and large, they all have something in common. They practice something I'm going to share with you in this first segment called the Socratic method or the three pillars or three sieves. And it was a simple series of questions that we're going to modify maybe a little bit. I wasn't around when Socrates was alive. I don't know if this was actually true, although we accredit it to him. You know, that there's three little questions you can ask to maintain your objectivity and maintain your peace more than it's the, those two things kind of go one and the same. So we're going to be talking a little bit about mental health here today. Um, too. We, this is going to be an, an interesting show. I'm not sure where it's going yet, but it's going to be interesting. So let's let's have a little fun. I will tell you next week, we are very privileged. I've been talking with Dr. Carrie Midday. She's going to join us next week and next week's show if everything goes right for her and she still is recovering as well as she has been. So we're excited to bring her on. I'm going to bring some of my, my dear friends on as guests moving forward as well to talk with you about what they're passionate about and what they're you know, what they want to share with you about, but we're really excited to have uh, Dr. Carrie Midday next week on. But so let's see if we can, we can set the, the topic up here. So I'm having dinner with my son, great restaurant, great night. We've had just, a, uh, just so much good conversation. It's one of those where, you know, you go out to dinner and the phones stay off. You know, the phones stay away if they even come with you and the food is delicious and people are are just living. And you realize you're having one of these moments where it's like, oh, I didn't know if this would ever happen again, but here I am in it and I appreciate it. I love it so, so much. We're walking out afterwards and, you know, we're, we've had a, a really good time. He had just uh, gotten his vehicle back. <laughs> he had gotten a little small fender bender and been without it for a while and he missed it so much. So we drove his vehicle over and we're just having a real good father-son time. You know what I mean? One of those, one of those good American father-son times that's just like during the summer, this is a special, special moment. And we were walking by a bar on the way out. And there was a bar and they were having a trivial pursuit night, you know, and, you know, there's folks there gathered as they should be right to peacefully assemble. And they are, you know, they're, they're having a few drinks, having some laughs and everything. And I want to start by saying I'm, I'm a real big believer in something uh, Dr. David Martin said to me um, last year sometime you know, we were talking about putting together and drafting this universal declaration of independence. And we, we have that on the Beyond the Con site. We wanted to put something together, a, a work that expressed, you know, what could be the potential of, of our society and what we could exist beyond, right? So we came up with the universal declaration of independence, uh, he and I, and we, we put it out on the site and we did a little um, video with it as well. But he, he said something that really touched me in, in a profound way. 
he said, if we're going to be free, truly free as people, we have to be willing to give people the same freedom we want for ourselves. And of course, that's easy to apply that to people who agree with our point of view on um, uh, what we're going to chat about a little bit today, gender theory or mental health issues. We're going to be, uh, you know, it's easy when we have people agree with us on our stances on uh, race or or money or sports teams, right? That's why fans are, are so fun to me because you see it doesn't matter whether you're black or white, male, female, Christian or Muslim, it doesn't matter. If you if you love the team I love, we're going to get along at least once a week on Sundays when football season starts up, right? So it's it's like it's that's where sports kind of bring us together and and we get to see through all the stuff that's really nonsense, you know, the things that that we allow to divide us. So um we're walking by this bar and we see in there and it's people having a good time. But we see that there's a man in there dressed as a woman, and he's ringleading. He's the he's the uh, the MC putting you know handling the event, asking the questions, things like this. And it dawned on me, like we looked at each other, and it was like, oh, you know, that's not right for me. I'm going to practice my discernment. I wouldn't feel comfortable in that environment. I wouldn't go in. But I'm not going to hate on somebody because, like Dr. David Martin said. We've got to be willing to give people the same freedom we'd want for ourselves. And if that person is just expressing their freedom, and that's true, he's, he was just expressing his freedom and he's entitled to do it and I'm entitled to not participate in it, right? And that's how it works. And now we all get along. But it brought up an interesting thought for me because we've been talking about gender theory for a while and uh, I didn't know that my trip would, would uh, I come in contact at my driving trip? I'd come in contact with gender theory a lot, but I did. Had some great conversations about it. But I, I looked at my son and I said, you know what? What's interesting to me about this, and I don't believe I've ever had this thought before. If that person was dressed up in blackface, we would all lose our minds. We would lose our minds being upset if that person dressed up in blackface. Now, to be fair, men have been dressing up like women for thousands of years, especially when it comes to, you know, plays and movies and things like that, right? Let's not kid ourselves, okay? What was interesting to me was I said to my son, if that person dressed up in blackface, what would happen? And we all agreed, you know, he's going to be shouted down. It's He's going to be, you know, basically canceled in this culture. And it's like, okay, and so I started thinking, why? Why would he be canceled in this culture? Because what he's portraying, dressing up in blackface, he's portraying a stereotype. He's portraying an image that may be hurtful. He's portraying a ignorance and wanting to profess that this is what I see black people as ignorant, foolish, lazy whatever, you know, stumbling, bumbling, idiots, liars, cowards, you know, all of the things that were associated with the blackface era in this, in this country in cinematography, right? So I said to my son, you know, what's, what's different? Why is this different than blackface? 
You know, if it's not acceptable for us to make fun of another culture or to stereotype another culture, why is it okay to stereotype women? You know, I, I'm kind of finding this offensive the more and more I do it. And it's, it's, and it's this fine line because it's like, I, I want people to express themselves and, and be free. But I'm also like, you know, that, that expression of your freedom is kind of messed up. And here's why I said, the, the man was uh, dressed in a um, uh, big hair, you know, big 1950s hairstyle, you know, the bouffant and everything. A um, lot of makeup, of course, uh, and uh, in a dress, in a dress that you would likely see in a Leave it to Beaver movie, June Cleaver wearing it, you know, and when the husband comes home and brings him his slippers and, and his cigarette in the paper and then says, I'm going to go back into the kitchen and leave you alone so you can quietly decompress from your arduous day, right? All this nonsense, right? This nonsense that doesn't exist in our society anymore, <laughs> by and large, this is a problem that doesn't exist. And I, I thought to myself, and maybe I'm wrong, right? I'd like to be objective, so I have to propose that I'm proposing thoughts here. Maybe I'm wrong on this. But the thought to me was, what's different? If a person's wearing blackface and they're eliciting a stereotype of another culture, this man that's dressed as a woman, he's eliciting a stereotype. And, and this is why I say this, folks. And I'm, I'm working through these thoughts, okay? I'm working through these thoughts. So I say this because you never see a man dressed as a woman in a business suit, in a female business suit, showing that his vision of a woman is a strong corporate leader. You never really see a man dressed as a woman in just normal dress. It's always something gaudy, big, loud. I need a lot of attention, right? And of course, this person was no different. He's on a mic and he was just over the top, you know, uh, you know, with it on, on the mic. It's this incessant need for attention and validation of my audacity. And it's like, there's just no modesty about it. You know what I mean? And so it's a turnoff on that alone for me. It's like, why do you need so much attention? You know? But the thing that got to me, and when I really thought about it, it's like uh, I've been around the gay and lesbian community my whole life. And I'm going to tell you, those are some damn good people. I've been around gay folks my entire life. My family has so many gay people in it and I love them dearly and they love me. This is not an issue. So don't dare try to homophobe me, okay? But the question that started to come up for me and I had to really think about this as a doctor is, is there any underlying mental health issue? And I'm not saying for a person to be gay or lesbian, that's ridiculous. What I'm saying is for a person to need this much attention, so much so that they're willing to stereotype an entire gender to get that attention. It's a, you know, it's a question that I had to really ask myself. I don't know if it, what the answer is to it, but it's a question I had to ponder because I like being objective. I like practicing the Socratic method. 
So before we go to break, I'm going to share with you what that is, right? And then I'll, I'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more because I had a very interesting conversation with some college seniors that I think you'll like. I've been wanting to have this conversation with them for so long and it just came up completely spontaneously. And I, I was so grateful for this conversation and for them and their participation in the conversation because I thought they did a really good job as well. And I'm going to share with you, you know, where that was because I, I challenged him. I challenged and challenged and challenged him. But let's stop, start for a second and let's just look at this from a Socratic method point of view. So Socratic method, or, or I should say, not maybe Socratic method, but the three C's or the three filters or the three uh, pillars, whatever, however people describe it. It's basically three questions that Socrates would ask or supposedly would ask. And the three questions went something like this. For him, it was, is this truthful? Is this good? Is this necessary? Like that was kind of what is truthful, good, necessary. I'm going to adapt it a little bit because I think truth is highly subjective, unfortunately, in this day and age, and when it should be objective. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment too. So the questions I asked are of my son, is it accurate, right? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And that's where I'm going to go with this today. You know, is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Because when we're talking about accuracy, if something is wrong for race, and specifically alluding to blackface, then I say it's wrong because it's hurtful. It's wrong because it's stereotypical. And if that's true for that instance, why is that not true in another instance? Because now we start to lose accuracy. If we start saying that men are women and women are men, if they choose to be, the question becomes, is that accurate? And it's not accurate. So it's a violation, that first, that first question. And then we go, is it kind? And there can be certainly an argument for it being kind. It's kind. How is it kind? Well, it's kind to the person that maybe needs something. Maybe these folks have been, that really need this, have been hurt. Maybe they've been through some really rough stuff, high school, growing up in their families. Something has gone on where they're, are, they're hurting. And what they're finding in the LGB community is acceptance. And that's what I love about the LGB community. They accept. They are about practicing that, or at least most are about practicing that notion of freedom. I, I want to live freely and not be judged, so I'm not going to judge people in return. So it's a very inviting, very you know, inclusive community. But I wonder, are there instances where that is a detriment, that inclusivity? I wonder if there are instances where what is being included are underlying mental health issues underlying mental health issues that aren't being properly addressed. Instead, they're being dangerously celebrated, kind of akin to what we're seeing with people who are overweight being celebrated as beautiful. Are they beautiful as people? Absolutely. But are they healthy? No. And that's where I have to start drawing a line. I'm not going to celebrate someone 
for beauty when they're not healthy, when their physical body, they are not taken care of. I'm not going to celebrate that. I'm going to celebrate them when they start taking care of their health and their body, because now they're moving in a direction that is going to bring joy, happiness, and longevity in. But I'm not going to celebrate someone who's mistreating their body in that way and putting on weight and say, hey, I think you're beautiful. Well, let's not get it confused. I think you're beautiful as a, as a person, because I think all people are beautiful. I think there's something good about each of us. I think there's something good that lives in each of us. But I'm not going to say that you're beautiful physically, because that's not true. Now I'd be lying, and I don't lie. You understand what I'm saying? So we we leave this bar, or walking by this bar, and I'm just left with this thought of, are we enabling mental health disorders in some people? Because we are reluctant to hold a line on some basic things that are accurate. Is a man a man and a woman a woman? Am I being kind by celebrating someone who needs a lot of attention instead of asking, hey, why do you need a lot of attention? Maybe what you need more than attention is a hug. And is it necessary? We've never had an issue with men being men and women being women. So why the necessity to confuse the issue? That doesn't make sense to me. And let people be whatever they want. And now you can dance in between. If you want to be a a man, if you're a biological female and you want to be a man, you can as it's convenient to you. And then you can slip back over and be a woman when you want, right? <laughs> okay. That doesn't make any sense. Is it necessary? What's gained? What good comes from that? So we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about this uh, conversation I had, and then we'll end with uh, taking you through a tour of Americana, some beautiful things that I hope I can inspire you to go and see at some point in your life, because there is God right out there. And it, I really feel in my life, at least, the easiest time I've ever heard, had listening to God, communicating with God has been when I'm immersed in nature. So easy, the wind whispers and you can hear certain things that make you feel so good about what's going on. So we come right back after the break. Let's get into this story because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And where I'm going is a good place, even if it's challenging at first. And that good place is, is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Simple things that we can use, simple questions we can use to make sure our reality stays on track. All right, we'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. Energetic Health Radio is sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing people just like you. We have some great courses on the horizon, folks. Next week, we are going to be publishing our Art of Cellular Healing, which is a course for everybody, but especially for people who've gotten the shots, just are realizing that they are have been genetically modified by the shots and want to do something about it. At least do what we think we can do about it because we're still learning about that process as well. But whether you're dealing with high cholesterol, whether you're dealing with high blood pressure, whether you're dealing with a digestive issue, 
we're going to help you get to a starting point so you can begin the healing journey and we're going to help you do it yourself. And that's going to be in the art of cellular healing. You can go to energetichealthinstitute.org and sign up for our free chapter on the art of eating healthy. We'll get you that. And when you get that, you get on advanced notice list. So as soon as that course is ready, you get to sign up for it and be one of the first people to take the plunge into the best of what energetic health has to offer. All right, folks, we'll be right back with more energetic health radio right after these additional messages. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Aloha and welcome back to Energetic Health Radio. Let's get into it a little bit more. I'm going to make a statement here. I want to be very clear with folks. I don't care what people do with their private lives. I don't care. As long as it's legal, as long as you're not hurting someone, don't care. That's your freedom to do with as you please. My freedom is to practice discernment and decide whether or not I agree with certain things and things are or, or not. The things I agree with, I want to spend more time with. The things I don't, I tend to stay away from. That's human nature, right? I'm going to make a statement for you. Can't stand liars. Can't stand pedophiles. Can't stand rapists, can't stand murderers, can't stand people who are selfish, people who are hypocritical, people who act like they know everything. Now, are all those on the same level? Of course not. That'd be ridiculous. But those are some things I listen for, you know, when I'm in conversations, when I'm following along on things. And I'm, I'm listening for these because I'm like, uh, if I'm hearing anything that's a little funny or along those lines, and of course, some of them are easy to find than others, then I step away. I'm like, ah, that's not for me. And that's how I'm practicing discernment. Now, one of the things that's very important to me is that I 
maintain objectivity to the best of my ability at all time. And for me, objectivity means a few things. One and foremost, it means I reserve the right to change my mind in the presence of new information. If somebody can present a logical argument, evidence, I will listen. And I'll listen even if I disagree to anybody. Believe me, I will listen. Because I think it's crucial for us moving forward, crucial living a good life to listen to people, especially people you disagree with. In fact, I seek it out just so I can understand where people are coming from and just so I can either validate that my point of view is solid or that, hey, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe these folks over here I previously seriously disagreed with. I found out, well, maybe they're making some good points too and things that are worthy of consideration. But it's only in isolation that we really lose out. You know, It's only in isolation or in isolating ourselves by ourselves or isolating ourselves with people who just agree with it. If you don't agree with me, you got to get out of my life. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I believe in unconditional love. So if I believe in unconditional love, that means that I have to be prepared to be around people that I disagree with, right? Not always. I'm not saying I seek it out and enjoy it and I got to have it like I'm addicted or something like that. But I'm just saying to you, you know, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with each other. If you really believe in what you believe in, then it doesn't matter who you're around. They're not going to be able to shake you off of what you believe in, right? And the worst that you're out is a little minor inconvenience of time or something like that. Okay. But if somebody disagrees with you, it's okay. So there are some no-nos for me. And I stated those early. And the three that we're going to talk about and really focus on, right, are going to be the folks that are selfish, the folks that are hypocritical, and the folks that think they know everything. Because those three are the most easy to identify, and those are permeating our society in really destructive and, and uh, really destructive ways, in my opinion. So when we talk about this, we go back to the Socratic method. We go, what is it? Is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? What that takes us into is an understanding of the difference between subjective and objective. Subjective is what I feel, what my opinion is. Objective is, hey, that's a fact that we can all agree on. That's where we can start establishing accuracy. And are we creatures as human beings who play on in both of those realms. Of course we do. We're highly emotional and emotion is usually the realm of subjectivity, right? What, what feels a certain way for me likely doesn't feel the same way for you. But see, that's where freedom becomes so important. I want the freedom to feel the way I feel about things. And if I'm not hurting anyone to feel that way without being judged, without being condemned, without being canceled. And I think that's a freedom that I want to give to everybody too. It's okay to disagree with me on any of this, right? It's totally fine. In fact, I'd welcome it. In fact, I'd welcome the conversation. But we get into this, we've gotten into this place in our society where the lines between subjectivity, what I feel, what I, my opinion is, and what is objective fact have been blurred. Now, my opinion has become fact for people. And the internet has been one of the great, great um, tools for these blurred lines. 
well, I heard somebody say this, therefore it must be a fact. Why? Because I liked what they said. Oh, this person over here didn't say what I liked. Therefore, it must not be true. And I just got some this whole series of emails in from uh, Move On. I used to be signed up with Move On. I just finally canceled that one. But um, Move On sent me some stuff from Robert Reich talking about Steve Bannon. Now, six years ago, I would have thought the worst of Steve Bannon because I was taught to think the worst of Steve Bannon. And I allowed myself to be taught to think the worst of Steve Bannon. But I've since come to learn a little bit more about him. See, that's what happens when you get past, here's the important word, your own biases. You see, being objective also means admitting your own biases, especially your biases against something. And when I find that I'm really biased against something, it means that I have to go and study it more. It's telling me, I want to make sure that my bias is valid or I want to disprove my bias and I want to grow. But something good is going to happen in that situation when I open myself up to study something that makes me uncomfortable, something I don't like, something I'm biased against, right? I want to understand the gender theorists a little bit more. I disagree with them completely, but I want to understand more because maybe there is a gem somewhere in that thought. But I also have to take in with that objectivity, a concern of, am I dealing with a mental disorder? Why? Because there's a false perception of reality. And that's a telltale sign typically of a mental disorder, a false perception of reality. And what is reality? What we all can objectively agree on. Well, that those lines get blurred if now everybody is basing their reality on their own truth. Well, if all you're doing is basing your reality on your own truth, now if somebody else's truth is different than yours, then what's going to happen but conflict? And that's what we're seeing in our society. I'm trying to get down to this root cause. And I said, okay, well, what, what is really going to help us get down to this root cause? Well, I think it's the Socratic method. I'm going to say it to you again because I want you to get this and really think about it this week. Is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Let me give you a, 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 an example where us on the supposed good guys, right? We view ourselves as good guys, as heroes, right? I have not gotten the shot. I've never fell for any of the lies that I, I, I went and made sure and backed up with evidence, everything. I admitted my biases. Yes, I am definitely not about anybody injecting anything into my body. That is a bias right? I have to admit that. So now once I admit it, I have to go and do my research to confirm, is my feeling on this accurate or is my feeling on this unfounded? And I found that my feelings on this were more than accurate. In fact, I learned more than I ever wanted to know in a bad way. But let me give you an example on the good guide side where we have lost a little objectivity, in my opinion. The word sads. Sads, we do know that Adults in younger ages, we're talking teens, and those wouldn't be considered adults necessarily, but teens, young adults in their early 20s, early 30s, early 40s, people are dying unexpectedly after having gotten the shots, right? Well, it is being labeled or has been labeled sudden adult death syndrome, or we're calling it SAD, sudden adult death syndrome. Well, here's the problem with that. 
that's not really what it's called. And this is when we start regurgitating things that aren't accurate. Remember, what are the three rules? What are the three questions? Is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Well, when we put out information, we have to hold ourselves to the highest standard for that information. So SADS is technically not sudden adult death syndrome. It's sudden arrhythmic death syndrome. Means that it was basically a heart attack at an age where people don't usually have heart attacks. That's what we've seen with a, a lot of the professional athletes who unfortunately have died, over, who've gotten the shot and died over the last year. Sudden arrhythmic death syndrome, okay? Very different than SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. It's not an accident that, in my opinion, that sudden infant death syndrome is the third leading cause of death in 2020, according to the CDC and children and in, in, in newborns, I should say. <laughs> Wonder why. They're getting a shot as soon as they come out of the womb, and then something bad happens, right? But never blame the most obvious thing that it is. And that thing that could be blamed Let's make sure it's even protected from you being able to sue them, right? 42 USC 300 AA-11-22, you can't sue the pharmaceutical industry when their shots injure or kill. That's, that's a fact. See, that's accurate. I can quote that. 42 USC 300 AA-11-22, I can quote it. You can go and verify it for yourself. Because what's the first question? Is it accurate? So the first question, is it accurate, is an objective question. That's why it's the most important question. That's why it's the question I've actually been focusing on with death certificates, with the grand jury work, and I've been focusing on with the helping people who've been injured by the shots. Is it accurate for me to say that the shots can modify the DNA? Well, it wasn't until February 25th of this year where the Lund University study came out where I could say that definitively, yes. Before, it was just conjecture. It was likely extrapolation, but it was just conjecture. Now I can say it with confidence because I have the evidence to support it, and it happens within six hours. I have the evidence to support it. Mod gene modification of the human genome occurs within six hours. So what I'm getting at is when we look at the Socratic method, there's subjective and objective in the questions. So Socrates and his brilliance understood that humans were both, but that if we're going to be a critical thinker, if we're going to ask hard questions, and if we're going to hold people accountable, which we need to do, we better ask some critical questions. Well, how do we get there? The first question is what you're telling me accurate. The second question, and that first one is objective. The second question is, is it kind? Third question, is it necessary? Those are both subjective questions. So you can see in the Socratic approach to critical thinking and maintenance of peace, because that's what these questions are for, really protecting your peace. The first question is objective. The second and third questions are subjective. And now we can deal with this issue and if, uh, as, as we want. If, any, if you're looking at any topic, Somebody's coming to tell you some information. Somebody's sharing information or what they say is information on the, on the TV screen or in social media. These are the three questions you use to determine, to determine whether or not what's being said is information or misinformation. The first question is accurate. 
Okay, well, how do you determine if something's accurate? You got to go either force the person that's giving the information to prove it, or you got to go verify it yourself. That's the whole thought behind having references and papers and things like that. So you could go and independently verify, right? Independent verification is key if we're going to be talking about, is it accurate? Is it kind? Is subjective. So you have to find out, well, is it kind or, or not? That's something moralistically you have to weigh. And is it necessary? Again, subjective, something you have to weigh. So I'm talking to these kids that are, are you know, and I'm saying kids because I'm, I'm old as dirt, folks, but I'm talking to these kids that are seniors in college. And I, you know, and I, I asked them a very innocent question. And we were just having some conversations, kicking back late night, one night. I said, so uh, you all are in the, in, in the, in film study and cinematography, things like that. What's a, what's a movie that you, you watch recently that you hate? that you, you just couldn't stand. You, you thought it was a terribly done movie. I, I thought I was going to hear some movie title that I've never heard of before because they're watching all kinds of different things and all that. And I was really surprised because one of the folks, one of the kids said, the, mo the movie I couldn't stand is actually a documentary. And I was like, oh, really? Which one? And he said, um, what is a woman? And I said, oh, oh boy. Wow, it's Saturday night. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I thought I was about to go to sleep, but I guess I'm about to have a really good conversation here because I've been wanting to talk to college kids, especially seniors, folks that are about to get into out in the world, real world, about this topic. I want to understand where they're coming from on. And they were very passionate in defense of a person's right to, regardless of their their biologic status to identify in whatever they wanted to identify. And I said, oh, really? And so I, I asked him a question that I think I've asked you all earlier. Can a man identify as a woman? They all said, yes. I, I said, yeah, I agree too. Do you know why I say I agree to that? Because I agree to freedom. And if that person isn't hurting anyone else and isn't asking me to change for them and infringing upon my freedom, I have no problem with them whatsoever. Now, might there be an underlying mental health issue? Yes, but that's why what I return to them. I asked them if they could prove that there were no underlying health issues, mental health issues with people who take on that kind of mentality. And they said, well, there might be, but it's socially acceptable. And then I brought in the blackface. And I said, well, let's talk about socially acceptable because slavery was socially acceptable. That doesn't make it right. Blackface was socially acceptable. That doesn't make it right. Why is cultural heritage off limits? Race. Why is that off limits now? But gender isn't. How does a woman feel when Leah Thomas is lapping her after she's worked her butt off to compete? against other women, but is now competing against a biological male, a man, a man who's chosen to call himself a woman because that's what he wants to be. How does that work? You see, you see what I'm saying? Like this, this is, this is clearly ridiculous. Is it accurate? No. He's calling himself a woman, but he's not. He's a man. He's a biological male. Is it accurate? No. Is it kind? No. If he were to compete, Leah Thomas, with other men, it would be fair. But competing against women who typically have smaller muscle mass than men is not fair. Is it necessary? 
No, there is a complete division for men, for biological males to complete to compete in. That's where that person should be competing, right? So it violates these three sieves. You see how easy it is when you just use these three sieves, these three questions over and over and over again, things start getting really easy. Is it accurate? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And when things get really simple on those levels, guess what happens for us? We retain our peace. We retain our mental health. So it's something I encourage you to play with, especially if somebody's bringing you some nonsense, some drama, what we would call drama, right? Because this is what Socrates apparently is, the story as the lore goes. He couldn't stand drama. So he would, when people would rush to him and say, hey, I got I to gotta tell you this, like, stop. Let's go through the three questions. Is it accurate? Well, I don't know if it's accurate. It's what somebody told me. Okay, well, it's a failure right there. Is it kind? Well, not really, because it's gossip. Is it necessary? Do I need to know this? Does this make my life better in any way, shape, or form? No. Okay. Well, then respectfully, you can keep that to yourself. I don't need to know. And that's how Socrates would maintain his peace. And I think that's where we're here now, because I'm talking to these kids. And I said, one of my big problems with your education is it's no longer an education, it's an indoctrination. They're not teaching you how to critically think. And the kids said, how? You know, how can you say that? You didn't go to school with us. You didn't study. Da, 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 da. You're older. You, you can't know what's going on, right? This is how most kids think. We've all been guilty of this at some time, right? Our parents were stupid, right? People older than us were stupid, right? I said, well, it's actually pretty simple. Um, have any of your teachers taught you the Socratic method? Have any of your teachers taught you how to think and problem solve and, and, and be critically, uh, to, to critically examine something. They said, yeah, they have. It's like, okay, so then, you know, tell me what the Socratic method is. Tell me what, it, and they couldn't tell me. I said, so why did you say that you had been taught something you weren't even sure of? Why did you say that? Because you were worried about looking ignorant to someone who wasn't judging you, someone who was just asking you a question. It's something that's ingrained in you. And so we went on to talk about gender theory. And of course, that erupted. That erupted into, well, there's clear evidence and studies that show that people are better off mental health-wise when there's, you know, when they're allowed to identify with whatever gender they want to, blah, 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 that, all that nonsense. So you know what I said to the kids? I said, great. I would love to read that evidence. Prove it. Go ahead and prove it. They said, well, I'm not going to take the 25, 30 minutes that it would take to, to, to Google that stuff and, and share it with you. I said, well, the average search time for a Google is 0.06 seconds. It would take you no time. Can you at least tell me a partial title so I can Google it myself or a study author or what the conclusion was, anything of note that you remember, because you're citing evidence, but you're not providing me that evidence. And they said, no, I just don't care enough to do that. I said, oh, okay. So that's what it is. What it is, is you're doing a classic thing that intellectuals do, or people who fashion themselves as intellectuals. You're making a, you're giving me an opinion 
You're giving me an opinion, something subjective, a feeling you have about something that people should be able to do this. Man should be able to buy, a man should be able to identify as a woman and a woman should be able to identify as a man, blah, 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 blah. You're giving me that. And then you're saying you're, you're hiding behind something fictitious. This study shows, these doctors say, nine out of 10 professionals, nine out of 10 scientists know this, nine out of 10 mental health professionals know, you're, you're giving me information that sounds like it's evidence, but really it's just an opinion. It's just something made up. It's just a lie. You're lying to me. Well, no, we're not lying. Yeah, actually you are. You are lying to me because you made a claim that you had access to information that you had reviewed and that it was accurate. And what you're telling me is really what you were giving me was a opinion. So we got into the mental health potential a little bit and I started saying, you know, hey, there's, there's some concerns that I have, you know? What happens if somebody is exploring, you know, hey, I, I was born a man, but I'm thinking I'm really a woman. Okay, I have no problem with that. What happens if somebody dresses up? No problem. You know why? You can take that stuff off if you decide that you don't like that. But where it starts becoming concerning is when people start changing their bodies. It starts becoming concerning. And I think to me, and I'm saying this in my opinion, let's be very clear, is a clear sign of a mental health disorder. And I think that's something that what is a woman, the documentary, showed very well. And I think there are ample stats to show that the number of people who've gotten gender reassignment surgeries and committed suicide afterwards, what does that tell us? That the underlying mental health disorder was never addressed. We write back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. The silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Aloha and welcome back, folks. So mental health, right? Mental health. Let's bring in a little bit more on mental health, just as a little primers here. I'm going to tell you, it is very easy to be susceptible to misinformation when you are nutrient deficient. When you have heavy metal uh, deposition in your body and when you are overrun with infections. And what body type do we see these in? People who are overweight. That the body overweight is nutrient deficient. The body overweight is a reservoir for chemicals, right? We call uh, chemical body burden. 
and that the body is also very susceptible, therefore, to infections. So there's a lot of subacute infections going on that oftentimes people don't realize. They just feel bad, and that's normal for them because they've been feeling bad for a while. So what's the solution here to getting back into objectivity? Well, if we're going to be objective, we have to be healthy physically. This is one of the things that the CDC has learned. This is one of the things, quite frankly, the Nazis learned and were studying in the, in the concentration camps, how to mind control large populations, how to do this. And one of the things that they figured out was that you want to make people very nutrient deficient and you want to use heavy metals to basically short circuit neural conductivity, con conductivity. And when you do that, you can put them in front of repeatable messages and they become very susceptible to those propaganda ploys. That's what they were doing in the concentration camps, among other evil, malicious, horrific things. And we see that happening here because every single one of those three kids I was talking with was overweight, significantly overweight. And what were they doing at night? What most college kids do, they were smoking a little bit of cannabis and drinking some alcohol only to wake up the next day and get some coffee and, you know, and they were eating really late, a bunch of uh, terrible food, you know, highly processed food, white bread and, you know, cheap meat and things like that. And they were eating all day long. So there was no autophagocytosis. Those are minds that are susceptible to propaganda, susceptible to influence. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. If you want to make yourself impervious to it, you got to make sure that you're nutrient dense and then you turn off the sources of influence. You turn off the social media and you turn off the, the mainstream uh, media, all the CNNs and Foxes and things like that of the world. You listen to radio shows like this, quite frankly. But you also start putting things in. You understand that your brain needs some stuff. So you start putting in the omega-3 fatty acids. Brain needs a lot of those. You put in the healthy proteins, hopefully you know, plant-based organic proteins. You put those in, the body uses them, and then all of a sudden your body starts changing physically. And guess what starts changing with it? Your thoughts. You become less susceptible, less susceptible to infection and less susceptible to influence. You now get to think for yourself and be a critical thinker. And that's what it's all about. So I'm driving around and a lot of people can't stand driving. You know, they, they, just want to fly and get there and rush and get there. And I can't stand rushing around. I don't want to rush to my grave. I want to enjoy the, the journey, right? So I went to Phoenix and it was very interesting driving through California first and, and then in Arizona. It's just nothing to see. It's smelly. There's 5G towers everywhere. You feel a little bit off on the freeways now. I didn't feel that way before. Um, you know, it's, it's overcrowded. It's me, 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 me. Everybody's in survival mode. It's just not enjoyable from my perspective. I don't enjoy that stuff anymore in my life. So I could have gone back that route. And I was like, I don't want to, I want to, I want to see some things that are beautiful. I don't know when I'm going to be around here again. I want to, want to check some stuff out. So I decided to take a magical ride up the 89A that's from Northern Arizona on up into, uh, into Central Valley in, in Utah. And if you take the 89A up, what you're doing is you get to see the Grand Staircase. You get to see uh, the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. 
it, it, there's some scenic views up there, folks, that will just take your breath away. If you wanted to do a little walkout, you can do a little hike and do a little walkout on the 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 bottom glass, the 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 invisible bottom glass walkout up there. If you want to be adventurous, I went by Lake Powell and I've been around Hoover Dam and and now Lake Powell and these are feats of engineering that deserve your awe. I still don't know how they pulled all this stuff off. And especially when it was, you know, we're approaching almost a hundred years ago, some of this stuff was made. It's like, we haven't made anything better than this in the last hundred years. We really kind of lost our way. That's the benchmark, in my opinion, the Lake Powell. I went up and through Bryce Canyon and, and Zion National Park. I went through Kanab, Utah, and the beautiful red rocks that are out there. And I drove through the Central Valley, and I saw two things I wanted to share with you today that really moved me. The first was I saw nine wild turkeys walking across the street. Nine wild turkeys walking in a straight line, walking. I had to slam on the brakes so I didn't hit them. A bunch, a bunch of them were little ones. But there were nine wild turkeys out there in Southern Utah, walking across the road. And I thought to myself, life is good. This is still going on. At, with all the assaults, all the nonsense that's been happening, all the natural predators, this is still happening. Life is still happening. And then I got a little bit further up in the Central Valley in Utah, and there was a little town, I forget the name of it, but it was a little town. There wasn't one subway. There wasn't one uh, McDonald's or anything like that. It was just old school restaurants that had been there forever. Old school, you know, antique shops on the, the main strip and everything. And I was driving down, folks. I saw one of the best sights I can ever see. I saw five kids on scooters, boys and girls, racing each other down the street on a summer day to the park so they could go play. And you see stuff like that and you can't help but feel everything's going to be all right. That natural order still exists no matter how much time we give to computers and the stuff that doesn't matter and all this crazy COVID crap. Life is still going on. So I say to you, join us next week. We'll be talking with the great Dr. Carrie Madej. I want to can't wait to hear a story of surviving a plane crash, right? I hope she'll, she wants to talk about it. But also more importantly, how we're winning and what you can do to make sure we're, we continue on that path. Remember folks, we have four unique challenges in this lifetime. To take no offense, to speak truth, to be selfless, and to remain humble. I'm Dr. Henry Ely for the Energetic Health Institute and for Energetic Health Radio. Wishing you a beautiful weekend, hoping you get out in nature and let it wash your spirit clean. And I say, may God shine his divine light down upon us all, everyone we love, and surround us in the protection of his warm embrace. Mahalo, everyone. We'll see you next week. Peace.